Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is uh, Jim Mazinski with uh, Sid Ziegler and Outsports. Um, we're having a little technical problems. Uh, Sid usually sets this up, and I've kind of screwed things up. And I think I just disconnected Sid, so I will ramble on while Sid calls. <laughs> while Sid calls in, and hopefully won't disconnect it this time. Um, but we're back after a week's hiatus. We are at the Nike Gay Sports Summit in Portland, um, and I think I've got Sid. Sid, are you here? Did you disconnect? Ah, you're here. This is the most confusing thing. I kept hitting the mute button. I think it disconnected you twice. <laughs> I forgot. I, and I'm sitting there watching this thing, saying, "Why are I on?" I realize I have to dial the number to get in. So I'm watching this thing telling me, "Idiot, dial the number." So we had about a minute of dead time, and we probably lost all five listeners. So <laughs> at least five. <laughs> we are here. You've you've done this every time but once, and I thought, "Oh, this is easy. I'll remember it." It was like, "Oh, Jesus, how do I?" Anyway, you know what's crazy? So, our, la- our last podcast when we had uh, Josie Becker on from LAG Confidential, there's five thousand people listening to that. People are actually listening yeah. to what we said. No, they are. Yeah, we always joke about it. Uh, and today, just a heads up, we're going to be talking about the gay LGBT sports uh, summit in uh, Portland, and then we're going to talk about the World Cup, specifically the slurs being used by Mexican fans. That we're going to have a guest on in about. 10 minutes, um, an economic professor from Penn State who's from Mexico, who's very passionate about this and who kind of alerted out sports to this whole thing going on. It's caused FIFA to get involved. So, But first, we were off last week in beautiful Portland, Oregon, for the Nike LGBT Sports Summit. So why don't you kind of take it away from there? Well, I, you know, it's, I, I think most of our listeners know that it's uh, the, all, pretty much all the big leaders of the LGBT sports movement kind of get together once a year in Portland, Oregon, and we talk about what the heck we should do over the next year. And Nike's been kind enough to host over the last three years. And what was really cool about this year for, for me was how many young athletes and young coaches we got. I would say probably a quarter of the attendees, if not even more, were under 25. And it brought such a such a different energy to the event and really seeing some of these kids step up and lead conversations and contribute ideas. And I, I, I don't know, that, that to me was the big highlight. Yeah, I, I would agree. There, there was a, there was a good energy um, from the younger athletes and some coaches and even people sort of not involved specifically who are administrators and stuff. And I think that made it, <clears throat> That just that gave it a passion because you didn't have a bunch of – I mean, not so much that people who were older, more established, don't have anything interesting to say, but we've heard from a lot of us before for years, um, and especially if they had the breakout sessions where we're trying to figure out what, you know, plans to do specifically. Um, and I think that was when the uh, the young people really, you know, shined. And I, th- I know in our group a lot of us just kind of took the back seat and let them kind of drive the, drive the debate because it becomes a thing of, well, why do you want someone who's – way out of college telling college people what they should or should not do. <laughs> and you know the other thing that was a couple of other pieces with the with the youth is one was how many have come out on outsports but with the we took a picture of them all. Were there nineteen of them? Yeah, and there were at least one or two that couldn't make the like Brian Olson who had to leave. 
Um, yeah, so although we need a better photographer. <laughs> there are probably so many people's heads were sort of behind other people's heads that on Facebook it couldn't <laughs> identify who at least two of the people were. Like, it just I had no idea, like, who's that person standing behind Drew Martin? I know, yeah, and well, Wade is hiding back there. and But it was a quarter of the people who were there were people who had come out on Outsports. I thought that was that, that was kind of cool. And Well, and I think know, it's because, I mean, I'll give you credit. I mean, this thing came out because of you, and then it becomes out become of Outsports. So a lot of these people got connected for the first time by telling their story in Outsports, then getting to meet other people, and then to see them meet in person was really cool. Except it really didn't have anything to do with me. I, I didn't control the the guest list. Most of them were were chosen by uh, the Anna and Sean and Kirk and Stephanie Laffin and, and other people with Go Athletes, and they just decided that's who they wanted to have there. And I think it's kind of a, it's a testament to the, the the impact of coming out on Outsports is that you then become part of the movement if you want to. And what was neat to see was some of these kids, you know, they're, they're at their school and they play their sports and they don't really know a lot of LGBT people. And, and this is really the first time that they're with a bunch of other people who are just like them. And there were a lot of, I think, lifelong friendships that were started that weekend just from people meeting each other, Matt Kaplan and Derek Shell, uh, you know, the baseball player and the basketball player from college, Division Three colleges, they they room together, and my guess is they'll they'll be friends forever. So it's, it's kind of cool to see that. Yeah, that's one thing that I think we forget when we live in these urban areas and we've been out forever is for a lot of people, they don't know that many LGBT people, especially LGBT people in sports. So when they get to an event like this, it's they're in this group with other athletes, and so there's a real bonding that goes on. Because otherwise they go back to their places, and they may be the only one out on their team, maybe the only one out in their school. So – um, I think that 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 kind of connections that really, like you said, become lifelong and, and people just have a ball. And Portland just a fun city to be in, and um, everyone well, got their food donuts who wanted them. <laughs> the Thursday, I think it was Thursday night. The boys kind of dragged the girls out to a gay strip club, and then uh, I think it was Friday night. The girls then dragged the boys out to a, a straight strip club, and then was, I think it was Saturday. Saturday, what? Yeah, well, right, it was Saturday. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That was kind of cool to see these young kids dive right into strip clubs and nonsense and just go in there and having fun. It was, it was cool. It was a lot of work, too, but it was cool. Yeah, the strip club, Silverado, which is pretty much down the street from uh, the host hotel, so it was an easy walk. And for some people, it was the first – somebody said it was their first gay bar they went to. And Really? Who was that? Saying, well, we got – um, I think it was Matt Dooley from Notre Dame. Wow. And somebody said, oh, we got to take him to a real, be- a much better bar than Silverado <laughs> the next time. It's fine. Some of the guys are pretty hot. But, yeah, a strip club is that, – that, you are just diving right in as your first gay bar is a gay strip club. Well, especially that one. I mean, in California, you have to wear some sort of something covering your genitalia. Well, not in uh, – not in Oregon, at least, since uh, we got a show at a, uh, at a couple of moments. And so I think a couple of times. It. Yeah, so I mean, I it's, it's something when you. Were... But yeah. I think they were. They're, I think they were going further than they were supposed to go. Oh yeah, I don't know what the rules are, but they clearly were going further than I've ever seen anybody go in uh, California. 
Where the heck is there a strip club in California? Um, aren't there? I think I've been. Well, you or you go to you go to the Abbey, and they're the same thing. Meaning, you go to the Abbey, and there's strippers on poles on what is it, Thursday night? Jim, those are go-go ones. boys. Well, I consider this the same thing. This is the, these are go-go boys. It's sort of the same thing, right? That's like it's a gay bar, and you just have guys up on stages. You have the Eagle in L.A. that has the same thing. So that's what I mean. Yeah, I, I think there are more go-go boys. I think these guys are probably more go-go boys than anything. Yeah. And the way they were working the room, they certainly were go-going with the, their regulars. They were popular. It is funny to go to these strip clubs, and there are definitely some regulars that, that you know that know the guys, and it's it's a fascinating subculture to watch. That I don't know, I don't have a, I don't big interest in, but um, we're going to uh, transition in a second. We'll have a caller, but um, we'll talk more about the. Uh, sports summit. We're going to have an athlete who was there going to be writing a a, a piece about what it meant to him. So um, it's going to be good to get that perspective. But it was just nice to see some people shine too. That like Brian Olson, the former U.S. Olympian, who basically came out publicly or had his story told publicly for the first time the day after the Winter Olympics ended, um, and now he's really all gung ho about it. But I think we have a caller on the line, and I'll connect him in a second. Uh, well, Andrew, you there? Oh yeah. Hi. Hi. Cool. This is uh, your. Uh, this is Jim uh, from Outsports. You're on with Sid from Outsports, and let our uh, audience know we have. Oh, I'll probably butcher your name, so you can pronounce it after I do. Anders Arradias Lopez. Um, yeah, is that's that correct? Yeah, perfectly fine. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Uh-huh. Um, you, uh, you're an economics professor at Penn State, which is my alma mater, so we have Sid outnumbered. He went to some lousy university. On some farm somewhere, right? Isn't that what it's called, the farm? It is oh. called the farm. People also call it a junior university. This is Leland Stanford <laughs> Junior University. So That's, I, I've heard yeah. it all. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> I went to Berkeley, actually, to Cal, so there's a rivalry oh, with the, the hang farm. Hang up on yeah. him, Jim. Hang up on him. <laughs> no, I think I'll hang up on you because we have two Penn Staters <laughs> on the line now, so... Yeah. Well, Anders, welcome to the show, and um, let our audience know we're, the, the World Cup has started, um, if you have uh, not been sleeping under a rock. And uh, Anders let us know the other day uh, via an email about something that's been going on about 10 years in Mexican soccer, but um, a lot of Americans are not aware of it. It's a chant that happens when the opposing goalie does a goal kick. Uh, they all scream from the stands in one puto, um, which is a slur. It can mean cowardly, weak, manly. It also has, has a homophobic connotation, and yeah. it, um, it got some attention. And now FIFA is investigating the use of it at the Mexico Cameroon game, and also by Mexican and Brazilian fans during the Mexico Brazil game. And apparently, based on their bylaws, probably no the discipline would be a warning for a first time offense, but. If it happened again, it could be that they somehow get points taken away. I'm not sure how that works in the World Cup. But, <clears throat> Andrews, you are not gay, but this is something that really bothers you. Can you tell us a bit about the the, the background of the slur and why, why that's offensive to you? Yes. Uh, well, that word uh, has uh, different connotations, all of which are offensive, by the way. It's always meant to be an insult at somebody. Uh, so once we accept that, okay, this word has different meanings. One of its meanings is uh, uh, meant to be uh, offensive to gay men. So nobody can deny that 
many gay men have been victimized by this war in the school, in the street, at work, wherever. Therefore, to me, um, automatically this world becomes a gay slur because it is uh, people uh, from the gay community who listen to this world can feel hurt. And that's exactly what, uh, to me, is the meaning of a, of, a, of a slur, something that is meant to be an offense to a specific group of people. So I disagree with the notion that the people, the person who says that word is the one who assigns the meaning of that word. I think that the person who feels offended by that word is the one who decides whether or not it, it is offensive. Uh, so um, that's why I think uh, that should stop. Because as you mentioned, it's been going on only for the last 10 years or so. Before then, uh, Mexican fans didn't um, use that word. They, they were actually quite festive. Mexican fans introduced the, the wave into the 1986 World Cup, and they always behaved in a very happy, I don't know, festive fashion as fans. I don't know what happened. I don't know why this became popular, but uh, I think it has to stop because also, aside from being offensive towards gays, it is offensive to me as a Mexican citizen to be portrayed like that. Right? I don't want to be thought of as a member of a group that uh, just uh, all they do is scream this slur uh, just um, all the time. So that's uh, in a nutshell why I take strong exception to the use of that word. Well, we see this also right now with the the debate over the Washington Redskins. You know, what is is that word a slur anymore? Sure, it does it belong in in the National Football League and the U.S. Patent Office? Obviously, just in, yesterday, I think it was uh, removed federal protections or voted to remove federal protections from the from the trademark. So it's it is it, it's a fascinating debate about who gets to assign the meaning of the word. And something yeah. that we talk about all the time is is the use of the word faggot in the locker room when somebody doesn't they just mean that weak or or um, you didn't play well, but certainly the people who are gay who hear it hear a very powerful gay exactly. slur. It's exactly the same. Uh, I don't have any doubt that many people who chant this word actually are not homophobes in Mexico, but I would invite them to please think about it. Think about, try to empathize with a gay man. Being a gay man in Mexico is very difficult, I'm sure, because it's a very macho-oriented culture. And I would like to invite them to think about them, think about how they have been victimized by this world in the past, and and try to change. We don't lose anything if we stop chanting that word. I mean, we're not going to become worse at soccer. We're not going to become, I don't know, weak. We uh, We can change. So I would invite them to please think about that, empathize, because... When Mexicans come to the U.S., we all would like to uh, be treated with respect. That is a struggle of uh, Mexican people in the U.S. So we demand respect on the one hand, but then we just carelessly offend people on the other hand. Uh, So I would invite uh, my compatriots to think about that, please. Uh, Let's not fight about it. Think about uh, uh, the issues. uh, Move on from this world. Well, I think it's interesting also that in past 
telecast, Univision has at times muted out the crowd. And yeah. um, based on your your heads up, I wrote to ESPN, and ESPN says, believe it or not, they didn't were not aware of basically the chant in its history. Um, and they are going to be, they said, vigilant in making sure it does not appear on their broadcast. So we'll find out Monday when they play against um, Croatia. And then yeah. FIFA's uh, getting involved for, you know, which they have been really lousy on gay issues, but they've already yeah. started an investigation based on the slur against Cameroon, and mm-hmm. it's going to continue with Brazil. So the fact of the matter is people are becoming aware of this, even if it's been around for 10 years, it's finally reaching sort of a critical mass because I think yeah. homophobia in sports is kind of a lot more, it's, it's something that's more people are talking a lot more in the last couple of years than they maybe were 10 years ago. Yeah, and I'm very glad about that. Um, yeah, so I'm sure they were gonna. I mean, they are going to uh, make that chant in the Croatia game. So uh, it's up to ESPN whether or not they knew it. And you're right. If it were a harmless word, then why does Univision mute that word? Why does the Spanish language uh, telecast mute? Why would they mute an innocuous uh, word? They wouldn't, right? But they do. So that means yeah, somebody said they've stopped doing that, but at least they've done it at some time, so it's a debate. Yeah, they have. Um, uh-huh. Well, you know, one thing, I, something you said earlier about the culture that it, it helps breed in Mexico, uh, there's a, a young athlete in, in Mexico, uh, he's, you know, late teens, early 20s, who I've been messaging on Facebook for off and on over the last six months or so, and yesterday, when I posted that story that Jim wrote about this word on Facebook, he said he wrote to me and he said, "This is why I need to leave Mexico. It's not safe here." And uh, so, really, I know it was clearly that word has a has a big impact. And I, I don't know if it actually helps create the atmosphere, or if it simply reflects the atmosphere there. I think it only uh, it just basically reflects the atmosphere. I don't think it leads to violence or uh, anything uh, of that sort, but it uh, just reflects this uh, culture, this unfortunate uh, culture of just uh, offending people lightly. It's sort of the bully mentality, I think, where where you uh, rationalize your conduct by thinking it's just uh, playful, but you don't uh, put yourself in the shoes of uh, the other person. Because uh, there are many words that deeply hurt Mexicans. I know if a Spaniard or Argentinian were to call a Mexican indio, they would, that would be the ultimate offense. And indio is just a word. It's not even a slur. But it's all in the context. And uh, I would like to, I would just invite uh, my Mexican fellow countrymen to think about that. And just go back to being happy and playful and do a wave or come up with some other chants that are not offensive. Yeah, I wonder that, why they couldn't come up with something. There are, there are so many other words that are not either uh, sexist or homophobic that you can use, and yet they choose this word. Because even some people defending it said, well, it's not meant against gay. It's meant to be calling someone unmanly and a woman. And I said, well, then you're insulting women, you know, as if they can't exactly. be athletes. Um, yeah, so kind exactly. of either way, the word doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the word is offensive. There is no uh, context in which that word is not an insult. Use, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're not using it to support the Mexican teams. They're using it to to, to, to chant at the goalie as he's making a, a kick out. Yeah, which is, I don't even understand why that act 
could be considered unmanly, just a goal kick. <laughs> but yeah, yeah you're right. true. I mean, there is no justification for the use of this word. I think it's just a reflection of sort of a mob mentality and just a bad equilibrium in which uh, Mexican, Mexican fans have fallen into. Just one of those situations where you need sort of a shock from the outside, hopefully FIFA or the international media, to realize that you're doing something wrong and just go back to, uh, to doing things right. Well, yeah. Mexico hasn't won a World Cup since they started using it, have they? No, no. <laughs> Maybe we'll make a cause and effect, change the word, and win the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I mean, this probably has coincided with uh, sort of um, deep changes in Mexico. I mean, an increase in violence and so on. I don't know if it's a reflection of of that. Maybe anger among the people frustration, which I totally understand, but uh, this is not the, the way to vent those frustrations or the anger or the impotence that they may feel at the situation in our country. Um, I don't know. Well, how bad uh, is it there? I mean, they're talking to this kid. He, he certainly paints the, not a very good picture of being gay in Mexico. How, how how bad is it, and how much does the Catholic Church dominate the, the sentiments toward gay people there? Well, it's not really very bad towards gay people. I mean, it's not like, uh, say, in Africa or some other countries. Um, The Catholic Church has been losing more and more influence. So basically, they don't call the shots anymore. Whatever they say, people just basically ignore that. So, um, I mean, gay people are victimized mainly verbally. I don't think there's a lot of physical harassment, but harassment is also unacceptable. So it's not really bad, terrible for gay people. It's not like in the U.S. I mean, it's not as progressive as here, um, but it's not as bad as in other places. So that uh, that makes this whole issue even more uh, difficult to understand for me uh, because we're not like that. It's not a place where gay people are uh, prosecuted or persecuted at all. I mean, yeah, so... Not really very bad, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, Anders, um, we we certainly hope that that, that your um, it's, it'd be interesting if your if your one email to Outsports caused ESPN to change its broadcast policy. It shows the power of one person. But um, you're going to be watching the game Monday. I know I I will be at my other job and won't be able to watch it. So you'll be monitoring the ESPN broadcast for <laughs> for yeah. the word. I hope. I will, for sure, and I'll check out Univision, too. And I truly hope, and if any Mexican person is listening, um, just uh, we should change, go back to the way we were, you know, happy, festive people, and just realize how this hurts others, the way that we are hurt by words, because words can be hurtful, and we know that better than most as Mexicans. So I guess uh, that's my message to any Mexican who's listening, I mean, respectfully. I would like to invite you to change. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being our guest. And uh, go to a Penn State football game this fall. You really enjoy that version of football. Oh, yeah, I will. Absolutely. Hey, Anders, take All care. Right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Well, he was very articulate, I guess, being an economics <laughs> professor who went to Berkeley. <laughs> you have to be, so... 
Yes, even Berkeley grads can be articulate. But isn't it interesting that two weeks in a row, I guess you were off last week, talk about the World Cup, something that really has not been of great interest in the United States over the years. I mean, certainly increase in soccer uh, grows, but, uh, you know, we've been talking about the World Cup for two straight weeks. It's just a little surprising to me, and I think all it takes is a little controversy, right? People say that, any uh, publicity is good publicity, even bad publicity. So I know I'll be watching that Mexico game a little bit more carefully uh, on Monday than I would have otherwise. Well, yeah, and I think it's – I mean, what's, I'm not a huge fan fan, but I'll have the games on in the background. The U.S. game was the high – 11 million people watched the U.S. beat uh, Ghana, which is, a, which is a really good number. Um, I think the highest rating ever on ESPN for a so- soccer broadcast. And there's so many, at least in L.A., I mean, I was walking around during the Mexico game, uh, Brazil, and, I mean, I heard radios tuned to Spanish-language stations, you know. Yeah. Um, neighbors and across the street watching the Columbia game today because I could hear them cheering on it. So there's such a – it's the one thing that every – so many countries in the world are just paying attention to it that even in the U.S. we can't be immune to the fact that this is going on. And, you know, that Puto chat we didn't talk about has also been heard at MLS stadiums. Uh, among the Houston Dynamo, and uh, the editor for Soccer America, the former editor, wrote me yesterday and said he asked one of the Mexican players what he thinks is a chant, and he said he hates it. He said, why don't you speak out? And the guy basically didn't give him an answer, like he was too afraid to sort of speak out when that guy might have actually had a voice in, in you know, making people aware of it. Well, people want the path of least resistance, and if it's going to be controversial or alienate some of the fans, they don't want to do it, whatever it is. Which is why if FIFA actually does puts any teeth in any of this stuff, it could have an impact if I don't, they take points away. I'm not sure what that means in this context. Points? Um, they, I mean, it would well, be they would take about, points like New Mexico. Well, they, it looks like Mexico and Brazil might be a first-time offense, so they may just get a warning. But apparently there was Croatia and Russia have already been put on notice for their fans for their racist stuff. And there were neo-Nazi banners at both the Russia and the Croatia game, and they're under investigations, and that's they could be sanctioned more severely. But I'm not sure exactly what that means. Do they take a goal away and then flip goal to get No, so no. The feeling seems but good. No, so it, so so in, in World Cup, every win is worth three points, and every tie is yeah. worth one. Oh, so, so they may take they, if, a point away. If they take away points, I mean, that could that could be the difference between a team going to the next round and, and not going to the next round. I mean, that's that's. Taking a point away, and the most points you can get is nine. If you take one away, and most teams that advance get, you know, four, five, six, and when you take a point away, whew, that's that's a powerful statement. Yeah, so I think that's the kind of stuff that would have teeth because the next World Cup's in Russia, and there's been some horrific racist stuff going on in Russian stadiums, and they want to think about what they do with a gay player. So um, they really, ha- if they are at all serious, which they say they are getting. Um, you know, that would be the thing that causes it. But, you know, it just, it kind of, it just shows that stuff is still there. And what's fascinating about that chant is it's literally 11 years old. So some people said, oh, it's a tradition. <laughs> I mean, Outsports has been around longer than this tradition. Tradition. It's always, people always say, oh, it's meaningless. Oh, it's tradition. As though that excuses whatever bad behavior. Oh, it's tradition to frater- for, uh, for fraternities to, to haze its members and, make them run around naked and beat each other. And, oh, it's just tradition. It's just boys being boys. It's always – it always goes back to it's just tradition. That's what it always comes back to, is bad behavior. Yeah, they never explain why the tradition is a good tradition. So 
But we will definitely be keeping on top of that as um, we're running out of time, Sid. You do a much better job of running this than me, but... I don't know about that, but, uh, you know, people, after after 20, 25 minutes, people are done with us, so. All right. Okay, well, we will uh, talk to you next week. <laughs>